Our objective at the Association of Sporting Directors is to support, develop and connect our members who are spread out across the globe and all bring unique skills and experiences to the role of Sporting Director. In addition to our in-person events and our online networking sessions, we are really excited to bring you a brand new podcast series covering key topics generated by the membership and central to the future development of the Sporting Director role and is brought to you by Paul Musa, host of the What The Footy podcast series. Some fascinating insights from practitioners working at the heart of the professional game. Looking forward to these. Over to you, Paul. How are you doing today, Gareth? Welcome to the ASD podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Paul. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. So thank you for having me. Just sort of delving into yourself, we've seen different people with different backgrounds go into the role of sporting director, technical director. Just sort of speak about how your experiences and your background within youth development, working within football academies and obviously being a coach and also a former player as well has helped to shape you in the various different different roles that you've done in the current role you're doing now at the UAE Pro League? Yeah, I think um, obviously you're shaped by by your experiences and um, I think I think you try and seek things out as well. You know, you try and look for new experiences to to, to develop. Um, I, I've got to say, you know, when I was um, progressing in my career, I think the desire was always be to be an academy director and um, that's where I was really sort of aiming for and um, and, and loved every part of that role, um, found it fantastic. And then you get to a sort of stage where you're sort of going, right, I need, to, I need to grow and what's the next steps for me? And went through a stage of sort of trying to find find my way a little bit. Um, so then had the opportunity to go into to FIFA and New Zealand football and then obviously my, my current role now with um, the UAE Pro League. So I, I think you take little bits from everywhere you go, um, but you also learn from different people and you know some of them may be leaders in an organization um people that manage themselves really well and understand how to pull people together and can drive a vision and um and and some people really really inspire you um but also it could be um you know people that work in 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 other roles that you just sort of see how they are in, in in an environment and how they act and um so it might be that you know it's someone that's a youth development coach, or it might be a you know a chef in the kitchen, or um, I, I think it's really important you know if you're going to develop as a leader to to really observe people and their interactions um, and and start to learn how you're going to work with people and develop them. And um, so yeah, I, I think I've been really really fortunate. I've had some some really good jobs with some some great people, um, and they've certainly sh- shaped how I want to be as a leader. Um, because I think you you go through a stage as well of sort of recognizing what good leadership is, but then also defining yourself in terms of going right. That's the kind of leader that I want to be, um, and recognizing where um, people are very good at protecting and managing people and trying to find the best in people. And that's not always just being the same person all of the time. You know, you've got. Um, you've got different people that you're working with and people react different to um, different leadership styles. Um, we've all grown up in different environments and with different cultures. And um, so you have to have that sort of adaptability to, to work with different types of people. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think I've been really fortunate in some terms of some of the roles that I've, I've been into. And I think that's sort of really shaped 
who I am and, and, and where I want to continue to go to as well. Yeah, and even just delving, delving deeper into that, uh, Gareth, obviously the different types of environments that you've worked with, obviously you've worked with in sort of football clubs, obviously like Leicester, Bristol, Stoke, and obviously going into federations like New Zealand football and the, and the Welsh FA as well, and then obviously FIFA as well, and now actually working within the league. Working in within those different environments, who's been the person that set the set the sport the sporting vision and, and and set the culture and 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 who should be the person that that effectively sets that in in your view because it, it differs from club to club and environment to environment. See, I'm I'm, I'm obviously you want to go in and you know particularly if you're, if you're a sporting director or a technical director and you want to shape what that culture looks like. But I think it's really important that. Um, you sort of sell that to everyone else as well and try and create some of the norms for them so that they also become leaders in that environment and start to start to shape it for you. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people that have certainly influenced, you know, what I want to be like as a, as a person and a character. I don't always necessarily think it has to be the leader that has that, that impact. I've certainly seen young people that I've, that I've worked with. Um, so at, at FIFA, for example, um, I had, you know, when when we first started to develop the team, I had two young young people with me, um, Philip Zimmerman and Jenny Nink, who uh, who were just un- unbelievable leaders, um, but weren't in a leadership role. Um, but I think they shaped the culture of of of, of the department, um, the people that we worked with. Um, now I hope I was an influence on that. I hope you know they sort of recognised what what I was trying to achieve. Um, but uh, yeah, so ideally, you know, it's, it's definitely part of your role as a sporting director. You need to go into a club environment and make it an environment where people have an opportunity to develop, um, a place where they enjoy going to. Um, sometimes it feels a little bit uncomfortable because you need to challenge them a little bit as well. You, you need to make sure that they're they're striving to get to that next that next level. Um, and yeah, obviously, we all want we all want perfection. Um, and trying to find ways to get there can be a can be a real challenge. And I don't think it's something that you can do on your own. So actually, being able to bring everyone else along with you and try and try and make them shape shape others. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about influencing people in your environment, um, I think you've got to you've got to do it en masse. Um, you need you need other people with you to 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 really shape it. Um, but but saying that as well, I've 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 been in environments where there's people that have been quite challenging um, with decision making um, and probably quite quite difficult to work with and i think what's really important is that you need to recognize that they they bring value as well um, because they probably make you check and challenge some of the things that you're doing and some of the decisions that you're making um so sometimes you can have some really difficult conversations with people um but we need so although we want to create this environment and we want to create leaders who embrace where you're trying to get to um it's it's always quite nice to have someone as well that sort of checks and challenges the norm like it's or, or checks and challenges what you're trying to trying to achieve i think it keeps you on your toes a little bit um so although you want everyone on the bus 
sometimes actually one or two people that aren't, um, I think almost sort of keep you in check. No, I think I think that's a good thing that you mentioned there. And funny enough, I actually interviewed on my other podcast, What the Footy, Debbie Cook, Grimsby Town, who you've obviously, who you're working quite closely with as well. And, 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 and I think even just on that as well, like what's been your experience like in terms of managing upwards, whether you're an academy director dealing with the time of a sporting director or in, in your role now, effectively working with the league or Grimsby, for example, working with Debbie and working with Jason and Andrew. Like what are those different sort of conversations like? Yeah. Um, well, firstly, um, just on Debbie and Andrew and Jason, I've, I've got to say it's, uh, it's, it's just a fantastic football club. You know, they, they offered me the opportunity to, to come on board with them uh, last year. And, um, you know, I went down and spent some time with them. And, you know, you, you try and research about people to understand them and who, is, who it is that you, you, you're going to go and work to. Um, but just, um, just, just, just wonderful people that um, just do the right things or, or, or the decision making is very much about doing the right things by, by human beings. Um, and they're, you know, they're very, you know, people, people, um, and, uh, the, the club's in really good hands and, uh, I can see that, uh, you know, that they're, they're, they're ambitious. Um, I wouldn't say we all, we all just sort of sit there in, in board meetings or when we have a conversation, I don't think we all just agree on, on, on everything. Um, we'll, we'll probably question each other and, but, but have some really rich conversations and, you know, you know, I speak with Debbie probably most weeks and, uh, you know, we have some great conversations where we might challenge each other and, um, others where we'll just, we'll probably be in agreement. We delve a little bit deeper. Um, but so yeah, fan, fantastic and, and, and really, really good to, really good to work with. But in, in terms of that sort of managing up and, and managing down process, um, I, I always, so FIFA was a fantastic experience for me because although there is a hierarchy, it's quite a flat structure. So you obviously know who, who your line manager is and you know who the senior people are in the organisation. Um, I think they've created a really good sort of uh, f- flat hierarchy because you certainly feel empowered to speak and question and um, you, know, you can have some rich conversations with Arsene Wenger you know, if there's something that you think's a different opinion to his, or um, you know, if you, if you speak to someone in the executive team, you you can disagree on something. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, where you, you, you sort of <laughs> in in agreement. Um, so so that was that was really good, and I think I think that's what I try and create. You know, even even before I went into there, I think I want I want people to um, I want people to have a voice, and I want their opinion and um and and look they usually you know if you're if you're in a sporting director's role or an academy director's role you've usually got people underneath you that are real experts in their in their domain um and they're there for a reason so it's it's making sure that actually you you really listen and understand their point of view and although you you might be seeing something through a you know a specific lens you need to recognize the contribution that they're making and how they understand it um, and a lot of times you, you double think some of your decisions. You're like, actually, now I've, now I've heard what, what their decision is. We might need to go in a different direction. Um, and, and I think being able to recognize that is really important. I think that sort of that empowers people and gives them an opportunity and a voice 
uh, similar to how I felt when I was at when I was at FIFA. Um, in terms of managing up um, and, and and working with boards or CEOs, um, again, I've, I've I've been really fortunate around that. Um, I've had good people that probably probably lead in a similar way to I do. So I think they've 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 given me that sort of autonomy within my role. Um, don't get me wrong. There's there's times when you get some some frustrations where for reasons outside of your control there's there's decisions that are made and I think that's that's important to understand that usually people above you have got a bigger view of what the impacts a certain decision would make so there might be something that I want to do as an academy director for example that's going to have an impact on the budget that might have to be pulled from marketing or commercial or media or what whoever it may be um I think having that understanding that you know if someone's saying no to you or they're taking a different decision, it's not it's it's not personal. Actually, there's probably a bigger picture. Um, um, what's I think really important is that you've got some clear communicate lines of communication. Um, so I think your questioning has got to be really good as well, um, so that you can start to understand that bigger picture. And I think embedding yourself in the structure of an organisation um, helps you better understand. Some of the decisions that are made that are out of your control, um, but so I, I certainly have been have been very fortunate with the people that I've worked with. Um, they've they've certainly made me feel empowered. Um, and uh, look, I, I think those are the people that make you want to grow as well and and, and develop even further. Um, so I, I, that's always been sort of quite uh, I don't know what the word is quite sort of endearing to me. Where I'm, I'm sort of going right, okay, well I need to be like that with other people. I, I, you know, you want to recognise if there's someone in the organisation that's going to be a sporting director of the future or going to be an academy director of the future, and how do you give them that opportunity? Because you know, at some point they'll 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 pass you, and that's that's success. That's that's an achievement. Obviously, we talk about winning on the pitch on a on a Saturday, but you've got to recognise what you know all the all all the victories are. And for me, like being able to develop staff and make them grow and seeing them having opportunities uh, moving into more senior roles is um, is something that um, I, I think really drives you and you know you've got a, um, you, you feel really proud about it yeah and I think even just just digging a bit deep on that Gareth, Gareth, Gareth. speaking about staff how, how does the culture affect from a recruitment perspective who you recruit and bring in from a plain staff perspective and a non-plain staff perspective? Obviously, you always want you always want the best people, um, and you, you should really be sh- you should be really be shaped by your strategy and the values of the organisation um, in terms of recognising right what type of character have they got. So, do their values align with with what we've got? Um, and then also in terms of the, the strategy, what is it what is it that we're trying to achieve? What does that person bring that adds value to to the organisation? Um, now. We, I think you you have to be really sort of um, really smart with your recruitment because well one you're not always going to get the best people because you might be at a club that is not a, a Barcelona or a Manchester United or um, so it's then trying to recognise right what does high potential look like in this role so who is going to um, come into this role and may struggle and you might have to support them for a period of time. But you recognise that there's some real potential in those people um, to to grow and to grow and develop, um, and I think making sure that as part of your strategy is making sure that actually 
part of it is around the development of staff. You must make sure that they grow and develop within their roles. Um, I, I always, I, I always, I'm not that keen on being a like interviewing people for roles. I'd, I'd, I'd rather be interviewed myself for a position than actually be on the panel and, <laughs> and interviewing someone for a role. Um, but the, if there's one thing that I really, I really love when you you're interviewing is <clears throat> if you if you get that um, really inquisitive attitude from someone or that character that comes out that's really inquisitive and you can see they want to learn. So they're not sort of selling themselves as I am the all-knowing. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're coming in there and they're quite inquisitive and asking questions and um, they're sort of, sort of almost exposing themselves a little bit, but you're like, okay, we can have some, we can have some rich conversations here. And, you know, it's sort of saying to me, right, this person is really high potential. They want to grow and develop. And um, so I, th I think there's a, sort of realness about it um so all, always when i'm putting in a um a strategic plan i will think about what the staffing model looks like aligned to that now obviously going into a club there's going to be staff already there um and it's recognizing right well where do they where do they fit in the model um how do i shape their role for the future um and then one, how do we develop them moving forward so they can they can fit the model that we're looking for? Do they add value in other areas of the organization as well? Um, which I think is really important because you can pigeonhole people. For example, you might have a, um, a head of education at a football club, um, but recognize that this person might have some leadership qualities or um, they, they might bring some value in other areas. I think, I think it's hugely important. And how can we, how can we leverage that? Um, because I think they they will know deep down that they ha they have that skill set and it's right. Well, how do we how do we empower or how do we release that so to to give them opportunities to grow? Um, but also recognizing if someone's not quite a fit, because um, that obviously that becomes really difficult for them in their role. Um, and it's like well, well, how do we support that person to either develop or it might be that they transition out of the organization because they recognize that you know they to, to grow and develop. They're actually better in another organization. Um, but so having some real honest conversations around that, um, but making sure that we we support them. It can't be a case of like I come in and, you know, I, I, I go and clean, clean the decks. Um, I think taking some time to really recognize the value of people. Um, you know, I've, I've stepped into organizations where, um, you know, you've gone in and initially you've, you've got a view on certain people and, um, they, they might not react well to change. So someone coming in might be a little bit difficult for them. Um, but then over a period of time when you've worked with them and started to recognize some of the, some of the things that have done previously within the organization where they'll add value in the future, um, their character has shone through in certain areas. Um, you know, I think if you've, you're giving people opportunity, um, actually you get, you get a return on that. So it's almost like a, a almost like this hidden currency. I think if you, you treat people well and look after them and um, show that you actually care about them, I think you get a, almost this currency return in terms of the work they put into their role, how they look after others in the organization as well. Um, so yeah, re recruitment is, is hugely, hugely important. Um, but aligned to that is making sure that we've got, um, we've got really clear development programs for people because it's, not, it's no good just showing the organization growing you need the people to grow with it as well.
Yeah, and, and even just sort of circling back on some of the things you mentioned so far, Gareth, I think one of the things you mentioned is about the academy and, and, and the academy speaks to a lot of sporting directors, CEOs, owners. They all talk about how the academy is important in developing players, whether that's to integrate into the first team or whether that's to to sell on and, and recoup some recoup some funds. Obviously, we hear a lot about the idea of creating those pathways for players to break into the first team. But just sort of talk to me about the actual practicalities of the execution and, and the maybe the challenges or, or how it actually works in terms of trying to convince a first team manager or or people within the actual football club to to create this pathway and actually take people along the journey. You know, you've obviously got um, a strategy with some processes and procedures in place in terms of how you develop players. So a structure to to the things that you do. Um, but it's never it's never as as simple as that. You know, you've got different human interactions um, and um, different views on certain players and and how they play. Um, so I think the the role of the sporting director is is very important in terms of how do you how do you link those multidisciplinary teams together so you get a collaborative view on on player development certain individuals coming through your system um, and it's never a sort of singular decision. Um, obviously that player stepping into the first team, the, the head coach has got to has got to want them in there. So you've got to really understand what that environment looks like. How do we prepare the players best to go into that environment? Um, and then I, I think probably the, the one thing that's that's hugely important is you know we, we talk about communication um, but I think really being able to sort of add some evidence to that communication as well. So under so me as a sporting director, knowing the individual player, knowing what they'll bring in terms of all of the facets of an academy. So what is what is my head of sports saying, science saying about him? What data has he got to be able to back that up? What type of character are they? So how do, how are they in? How are they in the classroom? So off the pitch, what what do they look like? How are they going to interact with the, the players at the training ground? Um, because we know that's hugely important to the head coach. Um, so making sure you've got some real detail around individuals and being able to portray that to the head coach and the staff wrapped around them. So it's, it's really, really clear. Now, you can obviously have a, have a philosophy for um, developing young players and certain parameters maybe wrapped around that. So, okay, well, you know, we want, we want so many young players in, in the first team uh, during this period of time um, or, okay, we're, we're going to look for um, uh, specific players to come through because we've, we've got a roadmap for this individual and this is what it looks like. So we've given them a, um, we've given them a, a two-year scholar and a one-year pro and we've mapped out a journey for this, this person. That, that, because there's so many different parameters to it, it changes all of the time. So I think it's really important when you're working with young players that you've got that adaptability and flexibility to understand, right, where are they now? What has to now come next? So although we've got certain steps that we want to get to or certain milestones that we want to achieve, actually make sure we're present on their journey and we know where they are and how we can shape that because things things change all the time. Um, you know, I've certainly had players that have been coming through the academy and then there's an opportunity to step up into that first team environment and you know it might be earlier than what what we've planned 
but actually we have to be adaptable to that and really think about okay well you know how does that player transition across because it's you know if he, if he gets called across it might be instant um so i think one you've got you have to have a really clear plan about what you're going to do and make sure those processes are clear but the sporting director has got to be gluing everyone together all of the time there's got to be that those those rich conversations taking place so we understand about the individual when they come to have that opportunity no that's super useful Gareth. and then just hone in on the current role now just sort of talk to me about some of the strategies and ideas that you've brought into the uae pro league and the information you've been sharing with the various clubs and owners and sporting directors and technical directors out there yeah so um yes we've we're, we're probably in a position where um i i've got a really clear objective so you know, when I, when I first spoke to them, they, I said, you know, what, what is it that you want me to achieve? And they said, we must improve performances on the pitch. Um, now that comes in a number of different guises from, right, okay, well, youth development's got to be better in the country. Um, coach education's got to be better in the country. Um, we must look after our young people better in terms of education, welfare, and how they come through our academy system. To then working with the first team around, right, well, how do we shape player transfers? We've got a um, we've got a uh, a squad composition at present of twenty local players, five foreign players, and five resident players. So, okay, if we look at foreign players, can we put a, a foreign player criteria around that and support clubs with um, the recruitment of players? Is that from a performance perspective? Uh, from for me, yes. However, I must be really must have a clear understanding around how we cope with the commercialization of our game, particularly when we've got Saudi next door. Um, so I was going to ask about that as well, about the threat <laughs> of Saudi and, and are you looking over, looking across and seeing what they're doing and trying to try, trying to attract some players over as well? <laughs> it's it, it's really interesting. We've got um, and, and look, they're, I think they're doing a wonderful job of changing the perspective of the game. Um, I think everyone's looking at Saudi going, oh, actually, I wouldn't mind watching some of their games. You know, we've, we've, we've got some really top level players and, and, and coaches that are going out there. Um, and, uh, but but we're, we're looking at probably doing it slightly differently in terms of we've got this long term vision of having success in, in the UAE Pro League, but also with our national team in the UAE. Um, and we know actually it'll take a number of years to get there. So we're actually focusing on, okay, well, what does the club infrastructure look like? What are some of the key roles that we'll have to have for the sporting criteria of a club? So the role of a sporting director will be really, really important for us. Um, and then also looking at, right, well, what, what's our priorities at this moment in time? to make sure that we get that infrastructure right. Um, so we've got a number of sort of core or key projects on, on the go at the moment. Um, one is looking at our under 21s, um, that last step before you actually transition into the first team. What does that look like for us? Now we've got a number of challenges around that with um, uh, at, at 18, everyone has to go and do national service. So they, they'll be gone for an 11 month period. So we're actually we're probably losing around about two to three years worth of development when they make that transition. Now, what I think I think it's easy to sort of come in and just sort of go, well, 
you know, that's really poor. That's, you know, that, that doesn't help player development because it's what I'm used to and that's the norm. I'm, you know, players can transition to under 18s to under 21s and they're in your club all the way through. Well, we, we don't have that. And, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think there's things that we could look at, at, at culturally. What does that look like in the UAE? Well, actually, that, that, that sort of shapes some of the people in the, in the country and has this overwhelming love for your country. You know, that everyone here loves the UAE and recognises what it, what it offers to them and what it gives, what it gives them. Um, I think it gives you a, a level of discipline that you might not get if you were coming through an academy system. Um, so actually, we're starting now to recognise, right, well, okay, that adds value to these particular areas, but, but what do we need to do at under-21s? Or we're looking to probably transition it to under-23s just to be able to give us some development years back for, for, for player development. Um, and then, like I said, around around foreign players, we're actually developing a foreign player criteria um, so that we can start to th- really think about, right, what's the performance levels in the league? Because if we're going to invest in players coming into the country, um, let's make sure that actually they're going to have a really positive impact on, on performance um, in terms of their own individual performance, the team's performance, and what influence can some of those players have on our development system. So our young players that we, you know, we're, we're making sure that our, our academy systems are really effective. Um, but it's all very well doing those things. But actually having some players that can be aspirational for people, I think is, is probably quite a big, a big part as well. We want them to see really good players and what that looks like and how they train. Um, and, you know, if you've come from a club in, in, in Europe or South America and there's some really sort of professional standards that they set, actually that'll have an influence on the players that are coming through our system as well. So starting to look at those things. Um, and then probably the biggest the biggest project for us is around that infrastructure piece where from next year, all of the clubs must have a sporting director in place. Um, the, the youth systems are actually are there already. Um, so all clubs must have a sporting director um, and all clubs must have a strategic plan for football um, so we'd expect them to have um, a game model or a philosophy around around how they play. What does player development look like in their clubs and, and, and really give us a clear picture of that. So when we come to um, an, an audit process with them, um, you know, the, the things that they, they put in, in their in their football strategy, those are the things we'd expect to see when we when we go into the club. Um, so in terms of processes and procedures around how they recruit players, we'd expect a technical board to be there and obviously an administrative board as well. So the technical board for making decisions on the player's capability to play or add value to the league um, and then, uh, sorry, to the to their team. And then obviously the, the administrative board to look at the financials behind that. And okay, well, how can they support from that? But if it's a no, actually it travels back to the technical board so that actually they can start doing some further um, due diligence on different players and understanding who could come into the club. So I think getting the infrastructure piece right is really, really important to us, um, but it'll be long-term. Uh, and in, in the Middle East, it probably doesn't fit with the cultural norm. The cultural norm is, um, you know, we want to be the biggest, we want to be the best, which is, I, I love, it's brilliant. You know I mean, the, yeah. sort of the, <laughs> you know, in the UAE, it's, it, it's fantastic, you know, how, how you get treated and, They've got the tallest building. They've got the the fastest roller coaster. They've got the biggest drop slide at the water park. All of those things. So they, they and they want it tomorrow. Um, so 
being able to be really clear around that and going, right, well, me recognising where we could possibly have some quick wins, um, but also recognising those quick wins can't be isolated. They've got to be part of a longer journey. Um, so, you know, we're, we're probably looking at seven to 10 years down the line in terms of some of the impacts that will be that will be made. Um, and and preparing for people like that in the game is, is quite a challenge because um, staff, whether they be uh, senior leaders um, or whether they be staff within the organization, a lot of them won't be there in seven to 10 years time. So what recognition do they get? Um, so it's really important for me when we, we look at the staff that are involved in, in the delivery of these models, that we also recognize the value that they're bringing and what, what we need to celebrate on the way because they're making a contribution to something that's going to be a lot bigger than, than what will happen in, in, in our time. Um, and I think we need to make sure that that's really clear so they can see that they've actually put some of the foundations or the building blocks in place to build the house. Um, and we need to make sure that we celebrate that and they, they get recognized for it. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really big challenge, um, but it's an, it's an enjoyable one. Um, and I think we're just starting to make some, some real traction now. Um, it was quite important when I first came in, although you've got your initial views, ah, we'll change this, this, and this. And I think you have to sort of almost calm yourself down a little bit and just sort of go, right, really understand the system and speak to people, um, spend some time building relationships and that has been hugely, hugely important in the UAE. No, Gareth, thank you so much for your time and uh, coming on the ASD podcast and providing your insight and experiences into the role. I'm so jealous that you're currently out in, 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 in the sun while while we're, we've got cold and rain over here, here in the UK. But, um, but no, thank you so much. No, you're welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. It was great to, great to speak to you and, and great to, to finally meet you as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Gary. Hey, it's Andy from Zone 7. In the time it takes to read out this ad, our proprietary AI could have analysed your training and game data, informed you which of your players were at increased risk of injury, and suggested how your staff could reduce that risk by simulating optimal workload strategies for the week ahead. If you want to find out more about how it does this, visit zone7.ai and click request a demo to start up a conversation. Now, back to the episode.